Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Now you may be seated. Open your Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And Leon, if you'll bring my props out. And if you can bring the other pulpit, I'm going to have fun and look right into your eyes today. John 15, we'll start at verse 1. You can hold those for me. John 15, start with verse 1. Notice what it says. Let's read it together. Say, I am the true vine. But I want you guys to read it with me instead, okay? And my father is the husbandman. Let's read it together. Okay, let's start over again. Don't repeat after me. Read it with me. Amen. Say, let's go. Ready, set, go. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. This is going to be our text passage for the series we're doing in the month of May. Brother Eric, you can bring me the other pulpit. I'm going to stay down here with him today. Now, to give you the context of when Jesus is saying these things, he is sitting at the dinner table with his disciples at the Last Supper, preparing to head to the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas has just left the room. Jesus has just told Peter that he will deny him. John 14, 15, and 16 are the last message Jesus shares with his disciples before he goes to the cross. Now, you got to think, if you could say anything in a last message, it'll be some of your most important topics. And this is what Jesus is sharing with his disciples. In this message, among other things, Jesus explains the expectation for those who believe in him to bear fruit. It's not just enough to believe. He wants those who believe to bear fruit. So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God wants you to bear fruit. Look at your other neighbor. Tell him you are not excluded. I believe, well, no, y'all don't repeat, we're good. (laughs) Every church experiences serial Christianity. And every church, there's the wheat. We know the born again are the wheat in one of the parables of Jesus, right? And every church, there are those who bear fruit. And in every church, there's some nuts. (laughs) The fruits, the nuts, and the wheat. What I call nutty Christians, spooky Christians. If you're around me in the office or at faith groups, you hear me use this word frequently. But what is a spooky person? 
Because they try to be spiritual, but they have no power. And they have no fruit. So you can look spiritual to everybody else. But Jesus says you'll know them by their fruit. And so if you're not producing, if you don't have a love walk, you can look spooky, but that ain't the Holy Ghost. That might be Casper. Jesus wants every believer to bear fruit. So here's some areas of growth. God expects you to grow in character, to develop disciples, and produce according to your purpose. God expects you to grow in character, develop disciples, and produce according to your purpose. These are areas you can bear fruit in. As we see in John 15, God the Father is the gardener. We picture God the Father in many different ways, but more than likely, we don't picture him as a gardener. But according to Jesus, he is the gardener over our lives. And he uses this word in the KJV to purge, which means to clean or to prune. To clean or to prune. If you were going to prune a garden... If you were going to trim some hedges, you would use something like this. Now, none of us want to picture God standing over our lives going. But that is exactly what he's doing. He is pruning our lives. Now, the thing is, people get super religious and unbiblical and say, well, when that tragedy happened, when that disaster happened, when that sickness happened, when that disease happened, when that evil happened, see, that is God pruning his people. No, it's not. That is a doctrine of a demon from hell. God does not tempt us with evil, James says. Every good and perfect gift comes from him in whom there's no shadow of turning. There's no darkness in him whatsoever. God does not correct his children with disaster. God does not correct his children with death and disease and destruction. That is not him. Jesus came that you might have and enjoy life, John 10, 10 amplified. But Jesus also said there's a thief in the earth. And he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But so often we say God is doing what the thief is doing. And we forget that's not who he is. That is not his character. What is his character? He is love. How can you say you love your children and say, but I'm going to give them a little sickness. I'm going to give them a little disease. I'm going to put them in a car accident. I'm going to throw them off a roof to teach them something. That's not love. That's abuse. And if you do that, I am confident these gentlemen will lock you up. And they should. So why would we take lower standards and apply them to God? That is not Bible, that is not Christianity, that is religion, what runs people away from God. One of the worst things you can tell people after they lose a loved one, well, God just wanted another flower in heaven, so he took your loved one. Why would somebody want to serve a God like that? God doesn't just pluck people up because he wanted someone else to look in heaven. He receives people, though. So there are tons of believers who go home early, but that does not mean God took them because he didn't want them on earth anymore. He received them in his love and kindness. We have to make sure we don't misrepresent the love of God 
because we don't understand everything that happens. Just because you don't understand doesn't mean you create a new doctrine. If you don't understand, just be honest, say, I don't understand. I don't know. Deuteronomy says the secret things belong to the Lord. But if it applies to your personal life, you can seek him for answers. But what happens in this generation, everybody has an opinion. I like what our founder says. He said, opinions like butts, everybody's got one. All different shapes and sizes. But what happens in this generation, just because you have an opinion, you got to post it. You got to tweet it. You got to snap it. You got to put it on Instagram because you have an opinion. So while I'm American, I can say what I want to say. Yes, you can be American, you can say what you want to say, and you can live like an American and die like an American. You can't confuse your American culture with what the Bible says. Because your American culture can pollute the gospel. You have to look at what does God actually say about this situation and live according to the word of God. So how does God prune his people? Jesus tells you in verse 3, now you are clean or purged or pruned, is that same word, through the word which I've spoken unto you. So God prunes you, he purges you with the word. So every time the word goes forth, God has his clippers out and is doing some pruning. He's doing some purging. Why? So that you can bear more fruit. Now, one of the things you see here is you think, well, if I'm doing pretty good, I don't need any more purging. I've been saved 20 years. I'm doing this. I'm producing for God. I'm bearing fruit. I'm good. Notice we never arrive when it comes to kingdom things. Because the thing is, the moment you think, I arrive, I don't have to go any forward, you begin to backslide. The truth is, you'll be learning for the rest of eternity. God will still be teaching us when we get to heaven. It says that those who bear fruit, he purges, that it may bring forth more fruit. So just because you're fruitful doesn't mean you've arrived. God is the ultimate businessman. If he sees somebody producing and making him a profit, he's going to invest more into that person. So don't just think, well, I'm doing all these things, I've arrived. No, if there's breath in your body, there's still more production that can happen. Doesn't matter what your age is, God still has something for you in the future. So I was researching pruning and pruning grapes, what this example talks about. And it said, from what I found online, it says, when it comes to pruning grapes, the most common mistake people make is not pruning hard enough. It says, light pruning doesn't promote adequate fruiting, whereas heavy pruning provides the greatest quality of grapes. Knowing how to prune grapes can make the difference between a good crop and a bad one. When pruning grapes, you'll want to cut off as much of the old wood as possible. This will encourage the growth of new wood which is where the fruit is produced. So God keeps sending words your way so that you can produce more. God will correct you through his word. Go to Hebrews 12. Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 1. As you turn there, I'm going to read you 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Yes, the word of God inspires, 
but the word of God also corrects. So we can't just cherry pick scriptures. I like this scripture because it makes me feel better. Also read the scripture that tells you you're doing something wrong. Also read the scripture that tells you to forgive everybody of everything. Also look at the scripture that talks about walking in love with unlovable people. Also look at the scriptures, pray for all those who are in authority. Doesn't say you have to like them. Doesn't say you have to vote for them. But the Bible says you have to pray. Because too many people run their mouth all the time on social media. If you would have spent half the time you spent on social media talking about that candidate, you could pray and cause a difference in the nation. We're not called to be donkeys or elephants. We're called to be followers of the Lamb. But too often we put political preferences ahead of the Bible. And once again, your American culture pollutes the gospel. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us, run the, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Notice in this example the writer is using, he says, put aside sin and wait. That lets you know weights are not sin in this example. There are areas of your life that God wants to prune, not because they are sin, but because they're not according to your purpose. So while you're hearing the word preached, while you're reading the word of God, God can tell you, just give that up. You don't need to spend your time doing that anymore. It doesn't mean what you're doing is sin or some evil or some wrong. It could even be a good thing. But it's not according to your purpose, so God wants to prune it off so you can produce in the areas that you're called to. What is that old phrase? A lot of people try to be a jack of all trades and end up being a master of none. Are you trying to do everything when God hasn't called you to do everything? Goes on and says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher or the developer of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising or disregarding the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as children, my son, despise thou not the chastening of the Lord nor faint when you are rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For who, what son is he whom the father chastens not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reference. Shall we not much more be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chasing us according to their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight the paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let, let it rather be healed. So a message can come forth that corrects you. It's not one of those inspirational messages. It's not one that makes you want to shout or run or dance or laugh. It's one that makes you go, huh, when is that preacher going to shut up? God will send those messages not because he's angry with you, not because he hates you, but because he loves you. 
It says he corrects or he chastens those he loves. As we already covered, he's not going to chasten you with some disaster, some evil, some sickness, some disease. He's going to chasten you with his word. And so there are times where God will send a message and you're going like, he's, they're all up in my life stepping on my toes. That's not God's fault. You should t- take your toes back in. He's doing this because he loves you. He corrects you. Why? If God sends a commandment to correct you, it's not because he doesn't love you. It's always for your future that you can't see at the moment. Come on, you can have a little kid and tell them, don't touch the stove, it's hot. They may have no concept of what hot is. But it doesn't matter that they don't understand. They just need to obey because in the future they'll get it. So you'll read things in the Word and you don't get it. But that's okay. One day you'll understand, but trust God in his love and his parenting of you to say, yes, Lord, even when you don't get it. That's part of trusting God, having faith in God. God, I don't understand why you're telling me to do this, but I believe you. I trust you. I believe in your love towards me, so I will obey. But what happens when he says, well, I don't get this. I don't understand this. I don't think it applies anymore because it's 2017. And you begin doing your own thing, just saying, I know better than God. So God, get off the throne of my life, sit in this kitty chair, and I'll put, set myself on the throne. So instead of living a life following God's instruction, you're having a, thro- a game of thrones. One day, you're on the throne of your life. Next day, it's your job. Next day, it's your money. Next day, it's people's opinion. Then when you need help, I'm going to call on Jesus and put him on the throne. But after he gets me out of the situation, I'm putting myself back on the throne. And too many Christians live that way, and that's why we don't walk in power. So God chastens and corrects through his word because he loves us. Our reaction to the correction and pruning of the word is to line our lives up to what the word says. Since that is the case, we must put ourselves in position to continually hear his word. So go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Start with verse 21. James chapter 1 verse 21 says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. The message version says the last part like this. In simple humility... Let our gardener God landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. You must receive the word of God with meekness. Receiving the word of God with meekness or a humble heart means being open to God's correction and expressing a willingness to do whatever the word of God instructs. So it's not approaching the word of God like I've heard this before. I ain't going to do this, God. It's saying, well, whatever you tell me, God, that's what I'm going to do. Because if you receive it with meekness, it will has power, it says, to save your soul. Now, what is your soul? Is it your spirit? No. When you're born again, your spirit is saved, is recreated. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. 
but you are a tripart being. You have a spirit, you are a spirit, you have a soul, which is your mind, will, and your seat of your emotions, and you live in a natural body. Just because you got saved, your body didn't change. You could have came up to the altar, you could have even felt something, but your Hands didn't change, your feet didn't change, you didn't go from being a size 8 to a size 10. That did not happen. Your body did not change when you got saved. Because it wasn't your body that was saved, it was your spirit. Now it says, receiving the word of God with meekness can save your soul. It can save your mind, it can save your will, and it can save your emotions. Because the thing is, after you got saved, if your thinking doesn't change, if your desires don't change, if your emotions don't change, you'll still do what you did before you got saved. That's why there are tons of people who are saved that still act like the world because they don't know what the word says. They just got fire insurance. But how can God use them? How can God produce through them? How can God affect the world if they don't grow in the things of God? They just reserve themselves a spot in heaven, but they're not much used to God on earth. And I don't know about you, I don't want God to do, do things through me in spite of me. I want God to do, through, do, do things through me because I've surrendered my life to him. James goes on and says, but be ye doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass or a mirror. For he beholds himself and goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso looks in the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. It's not just the man who hears the word that's blessed. It's the one that does the word. So you have to hear and you have to do. James says if you don't hear and do, you're like a person that goes, wakes up morning, look in the mirror, and he see, okay, I got some crust here. I got some dry drool here. My hair is a mess if you have hair. If you don't, buy some. That's okay. Even men now. You've even got lace fronts. So ladies, you dating somebody, you may need to ask, is that your hair? Don't relive that Fresh Prince episode, stuck in the earthquake. So not only can the wives' hair come off now, so can the guys. I'll go to the same beautician together, but that's a whole nother. <laughs> look in the mirror and make some changes. James says if you're the one who looks in the mirror and just goes away and forget what you look like, that's the same with hearing the word of God and not doing anything about it. So the word of God can come across and correct you. Don't just receive the correction. Yes, God, I acknowledge I was wrong. I acknowledge I need to fix this. I acknowledge I need to do this. But then go and do it. That's one of the reasons you should take notes in church. Because although you can be inspired, although you can hear from God, by the time you're done eating, you may forget what God said. But if you have notes, you can go back and look at them through the week and make the adjustments. Don't just take notes and never look at them again. A lot of people got binders full of great notes from teaching over the years. But has that affected your life? You have to hear and you have to do. So once the word is received, there must be action. You have to line up your life to what the word says. Like Hebrews said, it says, 
Lift up your hands, strengthen the feeble knees so don't feel so bad because God corrected you. Keep moving. Keep going. Line up your life according to the word. Now, ways to receive from the word. Your daily reading. You should read the word of God every day. How many of you eat every day? How many of you like to eat every day? This, that is natural nourishment. We know we need food. But you need to feed yourself spiritually every day. Now, I do my best to make sure you have a five-course meal every Sunday and if you come on Wednesdays. But two meals is not enough for an entire week. How many of you would be quite different in your actions if you only ate twice a week? How many of you suffer from a condition called being hangry? That not having enough food is going to affect how you act around others. That you are the definition of that Snickers commercial. (laughs) Maybe your actions are different because you haven't been feeding on the word like you should. So there must be your daily reading. Next, you must listen to the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. You must listen to the teaching and the preaching of the word of God. One of the reasons we put everything we do here up on podcasts and online for people to download for free is so that they can hear the word continually throughout the week. So you don't have to be in a place where it says, well, I can only hear the word one day or two days. Now it's open to you and you can put the word every single day. You must put yourself in position to hear the word of God. Next, sing songs that are aligned to the Word of God. Sing songs that are in line to the Word of God. Don't just sing it because it's on the gospel radio station or on a Christian station. It might just be me. But every time I turn on Christian radio stations, about 70 to 90% of the time, it's some crazy song that doesn't sing what the Bible says. And I remember one time, we were still living in Austin. My wife came to pick me up for work. She had been in the car for six hours, going around doing different errands, and she had been listening to the same radio station the whole day. Great songs the whole day. As soon as I got in the car, some crazy song came on. She's like, I promise you, this is the first song all day. (laughs) There's something with you in Christian radio that it just turns when you get in the car. So don't just sing songs because it's your favorite artist or because it's on your favorite station. Make sure the songs you are singing are in line to the word of God. Because what happens, you listen to all those depressing, supposedly Christian songs, that becomes your expectation. But you want to sing what the Word says. That's why we are very careful and cautious about what songs we sing from this pulpit. Both me and Minister Dathan, we look at every single song. And there are some songs that's great, but one line. So we change it. So you may hear that song on the radio, it's like, that's not how we sing it in church. Yeah, that's because we changed it. Uh, Word of Faith, Bishop Butler, is famous for changing songs. Because we're like, we're not going to sing something that's not aligned with the word. I remember there's a song they sang, the choir sang. It was an amazing song. So I went to try to find that song. I found it. They had changed so many different lines. And I was like, that's something. What Bishop did is quite better. So the things you'll hear a song, like, well, who sang that? Well, they sang it, but it went through a severe editing process before it hit that pulpit. Why? We want you to get the word. 
We don't want you to get in a religious emotion. We want you to get the word of God. Because the word of God has power if you receive it with humility to save your soul. We're not interested in being religious. We're interested in doing kingdom work. So we have to be sticklers for the word. Because if we're not, whatever we allow up here, people begin to live. And they begin to do. And I don't want to stand before God and say, because you wanted to have this religious experience, you sang this song, and now they live their life on it, and they missed out what I had for them. I don't want to have that conversation with God before the throne. I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. So sing songs that are aligned to the word. It is your responsibility to deposit the word in your heart. It is God's job to supply the faith and do the pruning. Go to Matthew 13. Matthew 13, starting with verse 9. There's another reason why we go over so many scriptures in our faith experience. Because we don't want you just to trust what we say. Well, because the preacher said it must be true. No. You're under no obligation to receive anything from a preacher if they can prove it to you from the word of God. Like what another man of God said, it's not my job to preach my opinion. A media host asked him, well, what do you think about this situation? He says, it's not my job to preach my opinion. It's my job to preach what the book says. Matthew 13, verse 9. Who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that he has. That's not nice, Jesus. That's not communism or socialism. Why would you take from people who don't have? Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seen, see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. Now, he says, takes from those who have not and gives to those who have. But what is the subject matter at hand? Ears to hear. So if you have ears to hear, you will receive more. But if you don't have ears to hear, you will lose what you already have. So that is the matter at hand. Not receiving the word with humility and acting on it will affect your ability to receive from the word of God in the future. Approaching the word of God with an attitude of, I've heard this already, I'm not going to do that, will keep you from receiving from God. Go to Luke chapter 8, verse 18. Matthew 13, Luke 8, and Mark 4 it's the same parable. Luke 8, verse 18. Notice what the Holy Ghost writes through Luke. Luke chapter 8, verse 18. Take heed therefore how you hear. For whosoever has to him shall be given, and whosoever has not from him shall be taken away, 
even that which he seems to have. So one gospel writer says, ears to hear. The other one says, pay attention how you hear. Pay attention to the focus you give God's word. So when you come to church, yes, have the right attitude, but come to focus. Not try to catch Pokemon. Yes, I know there's a gym outside, but that's not should be a focus when you come to the church. Not trying to play Candy Crush or whatever game you have on your phone. To be focused on the word of God. To hear the word. I heard one preacher said it this way, and it was pretty funny to me. He says, Satan knows how to send demons possess people into church to distract people. The people distract themselves now. How you hear is important. Because the level of how you hear determines the level you receive. That's why you can go to church and sit next to somebody and then go, oh, that was great. That's the best message I've ever heard. And you're like, well, I didn't hear anything. It's not because everything that was said or sang, it's because the person who set them up to receive. Now, you can go to a message and hear the same message and open and receive it, and it doesn't seem like God added anything new to you, or whatever was said didn't apply to you at your moment. But you have to realize the Holy Ghost knows your future better than you know your past. So I have messages that are preached that seems like it doesn't relate to you today, but a year from now, it'll come up in your mind, oh, I was in church a year ago, and God said this, but because I had ears to hear, the Holy Spirit brought it to my remembrance, and I know what to do today. Amen. You have to have ears to hear. You have to come with an expectation that I'm going to hear from God. Doesn't matter who's in the pulpit, I'm going to hear from God. You have to have the expectation. It's important how you hear. It's important how frequent you hear. So, you're here today, so I know you're not the people who only come on Easter. That's one level of hearing. They'll get something. But you got to come then more than just one Sunday a month. You have to come more than just, well, when I feel like it. Well, I felt spiritual this morning, so I got dressed and came to church. Well, my hair is not done, so I'm not coming to church. Put a hat on and come on. What's important, your hairstyle you're going to show off or getting the word? Just come to church. Go ahead. We already know. Just come on. <laughs> What's important? Well, I don't have a churchy outfit. So what? Put on a T-shirt and jeans. What's important, your fashion show or getting the word? Well, I didn't live right this past week. So that means you stay away from church? No, that should motivate you. Let me get my tail to the altar. Before they sing the first song, I'm at the altar. Come on, Jesus. We have to value the receiving of the word of God. We have to put that ahead of other things. We should be at church as often as the doors are open. Well, what if I'm out of town working? Listen to the podcast. Pull up Facebook Live. That's why I pull it up every week. There's people who travel a lot, so they're watching right now. Other states. Some of them have to work on Sundays, so they're watching. You have to value getting the word of God. You have to put it above other things. Because the word of God is able to save your souls. Go to Romans chapter 12. So it is your God-given responsibility to read the word to hear the word, 
to approach the word with the right attitude and obey the word. Not doing these things will affect what you currently have in your life and reduce your ability to produce in the future. As we said before, God expects you to grow in character, to develop disciples, and produce according to your purpose. If you do not have ears to hear, you will not grow in these areas. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing or the renovation of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We already saw all that the word of God has the power to change our mind. It has the power to renovate our mind. When you renovate, you take out all that which is old and you put in what is new. Because if you don't renovate your mind, you'll still think about things like you did before you were saved. And you could have grown up in church. You could have grown up in religiousness. But there's some religion God wants to get out your mind so that you know what the Bible actually says. Because if you change what's in your mind, how you see things will be differently. Because if you allow the word to renew your mind, you'll wear the helmet of salvation which will affect how you see things in the approach situations. Because part of gardening, there's some things you have to put in the soil. Aren't you glad I just wrote it on a sign and didn't actually bring it into the house of God? <laughs> Stains carpets, we don't want to do that. So what happens when life or the enemy throws manure your way? What happens when that comes your way? You can complain. Why did this have to happen to me? I've been serving God for this many years. I've tithed, I gave, I gave to that missionary. I prayed for that person who didn't like me. I was nice to that person. Why did this have to happen to me? You become like the Israelites of the wilderness. You keep complaining and complaining and you get disinherited. You can just say, well, this is too much for me. I can't go on. And you can go backwards. You can let it stagnate you. Or what's worse, you can eat it. So what do you mean eat it? Not letting things go? See, offense is an event. But some of you have taken that event and made it your lifestyle. Because somebody offended you, you've carried that for decades. And so you're eating off of the manure that happened years ago. And you get what Hebrews 12.15 says, the root of bitterness. It springs up, and instead of producing fruit, you're producing bitterness, and it says it defiles many. Unforgiveness will stifle your faith and poison your life. That's why we forgive everybody of everything. Doesn't mean they deserve your forgiveness. Doesn't mean they said they're sorry. Because what you do when you say, I forgive you, You're actually saying, you don't owe me anything. You don't have to make it up to me. I'm not going to hold you responsible for restoring my life. But every time you hold unforgiveness, you're keeping that person in a position to keep poisoning your life, and they don't even think about you anymore. You're thinking next time you see them, oh, they know what they did to me. How can they smile on my face? They may not know. 
but you keep thinking and thinking and thinking and poisoning yourself because you haven't let it go yet. Don't make me do a Disney Frozen song and sing Let It Go. <laughs> Minister Nathan could do it right now if we need it, but you just got to let things go. See, there we go. <laughs> you have to let things go. You have to drop it. You have to move forward. But if you renew your mind with the word of God, you can see the manure of life a different way. Instead of letting this poison me, instead of letting it make me back up or stagnate or complain, I'm going to take it and I'm going to fertilize my life. Instead of seeing this as a problem that's going to destroy me, I see it as a challenge that's going to promote me. Instead of seeing this, that this is the end, I see this as a springing into my future. It's all about how you see it. Because if you do not renew your mind with the word of God, you will hold back the power of God. And if you always see the situation as too much, and he began to say it's too much, I can't handle this, you'll never go forward, and God can't do in your life what he wants to do. The power, as we said two weeks ago, is already available, but you must have it released in your life. And as long as you see the situation as too much, you can't go forward. You have to shovel it, put it into the ground, bury it, move on. Because just because evil happens, it doesn't mean your life is done. Think about Joseph. Sold, bought, hated by his family, lied on, thrown in prison, forgotten about. But we know the end of the story. He went from the pit to the prison to the palace. He became prime minister. And he renamed his pain in Genesis 50, 20. He says, you meant this for evil, but God turned it for my good. So God didn't want all these things to happen to me. But because Joseph decided to not be offended and not walk in unforgiveness, to stay in a place God can use them, God took all those bad things and turned it for his good. And the end of verse 20 is to save much people alive. But it's all about how you view it. And then once you view it, you have to rename it. Stop talking about this is the problem. This is what happened to me in the past. I can't overcome it. Rename your pain. Speak the language of the blessing. Jacob understood this a little bit when his son was born, Benjamin. His wife died when he was born, and she named him son of my pain. And Jacob said, I'm not going to let this hang over his life. He's going to become son of my right hand. He renamed it. Jacob was hurting. Jacob was in pain. But it says he renamed him, and then it says Israel moved on. You have to rename the pain of your past, and you have to move on. It's like Jobath. His mother named him pain because she said, I bore him with pain. But he prayed, Lord, let not that pain dictate my life. I pray that you may bless me, enlarge my territory, and keep that pain or that evil from me. And it says God did what Jabez asked. You have to rename your situations. You can't live in the past. You can't live in your hurt. You can't live in the offense. You have to rename it, and you have to move on. Go to Galatians 5.22. 
Verse 23, let's begin to wrap it up. The word of God will correct your thinking. If your thinking is incorrect, you will not produce according to your purpose. If you do not renew your mind, you will hold back the power of God from working in your life. Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. These fruit of the Spirit is the character that God wants to produce in What happens if you fully walk in these nine things? You have the character of Jesus. A lot of people want the power of Jesus, but they're not willing to walk in the character of Jesus. There's an old Pentecostal saying, you can't fire a cannon from a canoe. Because if you fire a cannon from a canoe, you're going to sink your own ship. A lot of people want to walk in the great power of God. But God needs you to elevate your character from a canoe. Just because ratchet is popular, that doesn't mean that's your calling. Those reality TV shows should not be, that's what I want to be when I grow up. Nah. We got to update our character. We got to grow in our character. We have to grow in our love walk. Because love, Jesus said, walk in love. To love your neighbor as you love yourself, that means you got to love yourself first. And love those who despitefully use you and pray for them. That wasn't a divine suggestion. It wasn't, it will be good if you do those things. I would really like it if you do those things. It's the love commandment. And we must follow it. John 15, 4, as we said earlier, says, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, no more can ye except you abide in me. This fruit won't be produced in your life because you worked super, super hard at it. It comes through your union with God. Now, 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, but that he is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So if you're a believer and you could peel back your flesh and look at your spirit, we talk about Jesus lives in us, and yes, that's true. But you won't see two people in there playing spades trying to get books. It's not Jesus and your spirit. You're one. When you became born again, your spirit was joined to the Lord. The resurrected, glorified Christ. So although you are one, you don't always act as one. But when you spend time with God, when you spend time in his word, when you develop a relationship with him, when you spend time daily in prayer, spend time daily in worship, you shouldn't worship and praise only when you come to church. You should have a lifestyle praising and worship God and being in prayer. Because when you do that, you're setting yourselves up to walk in greater union with God. And when you walk in greater union with him, there's more power. He can do more through you. He can produce the character he wants to produce. He can help you produce according to your purpose. He can help you develop disciples. It's not by all your religious activity. 
is by letting God work through you. Nothing in this Christian life are you supposed to do by yourself. You're supposed to do with God working through you. Because you can do all things through Christ, which gives you strength. Through him. Not by your soul power. You can do a lot with your soul power and your willpower. But you got to do it with the power of God. Go to Philippians 1 and close here. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. This is a prayer I want you to pray over yourself every single day. It's a prayer I pray for you every single day. Philippians 1, starting with verse 9. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more. Another translation says that your love may overflow more and more. In knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and the praise of God. The way you're going to be filled with those fruit of the Spirit, we read, is by Jesus Christ unto the glory and the praise of God. So these fruits are by Jesus Christ, and they result in God getting praise and glory. Now, as we know, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ describes what he is. Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. That's why we said we can do all things through Christ, which gives us strength, You're saying, I can do all things through the anointing that's on Jesus that gives me strength. And who is the anointing that's on Jesus? The Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, if you let him, will work through you to get you to the place where you're at maximum maximum producing potential. That's where he wants to take you. But you have to let him. You have to let him work on you. And you do that by receiving the word of God with meekness. And let him correct you. Let him make that adjustment. Yeah, don't do that anymore. Yeah, don't say that anymore. Yeah, don't watch that anymore. Yeah, stop hanging out with him. So you may pray, God, I want you to show me what you want to do. Stop dating that person. (gasps) Jesus, you want me to be alone? (laughs) No, he wants you with the right one. And too many people out of the fear of being alone date the wrong person. Well, I'm this age, I got to date somebody. No, you don't. So I won't be married at a certain age and then we can't have kids. Look at Abraham and Sarah. When I counsel some of our living epistles that get married in their 60s or the 70s, you know, we go through all the material and I ask them, do you want to have any more kids? And they look at me kind of crazy like y'all just did. I said, well, the Bible says it can happen. I can pray right now. And y'all can be a sign and a wonder in these last days. <laughs> they said, Pastor, keep those prayers to yourself. <laughs> we have made our contribution to the cause. We are done. <laughs> but it goes back in everything being led by the Spirit. That's not a spooky life. That's just checking in. Holy Ghost, am I doing the right thing? Because what happens is you can do one direction for a long time, but you've never checked in. So, God, am I supposed to change course? You learn a lot about God from what he says, but also from what he doesn't say. 
A lot of times we just keep doing the same old thing because God told us to do it 10 years ago. But we never stop to check in. God, am I still on the right path? It's walking with him. It's walking in union with him. It's letting him lead you and guide you to the place he has for you. But that comes from being a person of the word. You're always in the word, always receiving from the word. A hearer and a doer. And just being open. God, correct me. Tell me what you want me to do. I'm yours to command, sir. That's how we have to live our lives. I'm yours to command. Prune me. Work on me. Help me. Because if you're that open, you can not only have the life that you need, but your life will be a blessing to others. Amen? Stand to your feet. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise the name of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it has the power to save our souls. We thank you that it has the power to help us produce more for you. Help us live the life that gives you the glory, that gives you the most glory, the most honor, the most praise, that helps us make Jesus the most famous we can through our surrendering unto you. Every head bow, every eye closed in prayer. Put your hands down, every head bow, every eye closed in prayer. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.